Hello again, guys. I say hello again this time specifically because this is the same day as the last recording. I actually I done goofed and forgot, like, the one thing that I really wanted to talk about. So, I was just going to go back to the other one and, like, resume it and have it be, like, an after-the-credits thing, but this is way smarter. <laughs> I'm just going to do, like, a mini... I don't know. I watch the CinemaSins podcast, and they call them mini-pods. I'm not going to take that. I, I just call them sliders because... I try to off and on stick to this kind of food theme that I have going. Uh, as you can tell, I'm in the turbine room, so I mean, to whatever ASMR satisfaction it is to some people, to whatever unpleasantness it is to others, I apologize. So, what I wanted to talk about was Alita 2, Blood Angel. Wait for dramatic effect. Uh, what I'm trying to talk about is how Alita exists in this extremely compatible, almost intentionally obvious uh, Warhammer 40k compliant universe where I'm sitting there watching it and I don't know whether it's because Earth's at war with a tech cult that's based on Mars or because they live in like a scummy hive city or because everyone's walking around looking like ab humans and people with like cyber implants but it looks like a page out of a, a Dan Abnett 40k book I mean you have this world where, I mean, I don't, are we specifically told it's Earth? I don't know, maybe we are. I will pause and preface this by saying I understand this is based on a manga or an anime or whatever, and like, it's got its own direction, and this is not where it's headed. I know, I'm just saying, would be chill and cool if. So, you have a story that, as I said in the beginning, is compatible. You could 100% have this take place in... Warhammer in the sense that it's like those off-brand Marvel... It's like the Marvel TV shows versus the, uh, the MCU where, like, they exist in the same area and they reference them, and it's the same locations, but you're not going to have Commissar Yarrick or, like, a, a Chapter Master Dante or Fulgrim or Robot Gullman or something. You're not going to have, like, iconic characters, but you can have the set. So you can set this on the hive city of whatever it was, like Earth 4 or Ursa, whatever. Absolutely, you have like a bunch of shitty hive cities that send supplies up to this floating city in the sky. I mean, you can make those people in the sky anything you want. Those gems are reminiscent to me of those uh, Tao kind of religious leaders they have. It also looks like something kind of Eldar. There's the obvious where it looks like... Uh, what are those escaping me now. Slanesh, sorry, it's like a bejeweled kind of cult of Slanesh type of feel. I remember these models used to have like uh, gemstones riveting their skin. You have people who have cyber implants and in Warhammer, especially cyber arms, that's like super common in the Guard and lots of people, like infantry, not so much because they tend to just die when they get injured, but like officer characters of note, like uh, Colonel Ironhand Strachan and stuff, these people have metal limbs, and it's very common. Uh, the sport they play, you could put that in 40k. Like, the tech is there. It's the same level of technology from what I can see, where you have the capability to have, like, advanced guns and firing mechanics, but because of laws, availability, or just primitive nature of, like, the inner-city fighting... Most combat is, like, melee weapons, but they're very cybernetically enhanced. Like, they have, like, whip, um, metal whip gauntlets and, like, 
buzzsaw gloves and obviously the one dude has a sword. But that's another thing, the sword he has, I think he calls it like a monofilament edge. It's a mono, like that, that's, a, that's literally a thing that's in 40k, it's in Warhammer. There's a blade that's edge is molecularly thin and, and sharp enough obviously to cut through anything. And then she pretty much turns it into a power sword when she covers it in the discharge energy of her generator. I mean, that's what a power sword is. Um, there's definitely not, like, the evil, skunky air of chaos hanging over the movie, and there's no religious fanaticism, which is kind of a large part of the Imperium, but the city itself could easily be, like, a more... I should say maybe just a less gross hive city. She herself, I mean, 100%, they, they've put consciousnesses and robot bodies, and I mean a dreadnought, if nothing else, is just a, a casket <laughs> in a robot, and that's, you know, it's there, it's there. I want to see in the next one, I say Blood Angel, I actually hate that chapter, I think that the, at the time, they took center stage and a couple editions ago because their codex was the first to be rewritten, and they were like OP as fuck for a couple months, and... I just, I don't like them. I don't like this idea that they're this sort of angelic, harmonious presence amongst the Primarchs and the other armies, but, like, in reality, they're batshit crazy. They're basically, like, balls deep in chaos, and they have to, like, roll a bunch of dice every turn to decide if they either, like, go insane because they're bloodthirsty or go insane because they're, like, psychically, uh, psychically remembering the wound of their grandparent. I don't know, you know? That would all be cool if they were, like, the Blood Sons, or, like, if they played into it, but, like, this whole, like, he was the most beautiful, blonde, sculpted, Romanesque, angelic figure with wings, and it's, like, what's their, their chapter bonus? Do they, like, I don't know, do they all wear white and heal people, or are they sort of, like, accompanied by music? Nah, they're just super cray, and, like, angry, and, ah. Uh. You mean corn? No, I don't mean corn. No. But they're painted red. Yeah, no, I know, but... No, it's different. They're melee specialists, though. Yeah, no, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I called her Blood Angel only because Blood Angels are a Warhammer term, and her title of the first movie is Battle Angel. And in the <laughs> in the nature of the CinemaSins uh, shows, when it corresponds that the, the title is said verbatim, and then they're like, you're presenting Alita Battle Angel, they'll be like, roll credits, and, and this time it happened at the end, but still, I do it myself in the movies so thanks guys it's like when someone says something really stupid and it kind of resonates in your head and hard to get rid of when I hear it's, it's just it happens I don't say it because it's you know I'm not poaching their jokes but in my head I'm like mm -hmm. roll them so yeah I'd like to see that I'd like to see a Warhammer movie in general I think it wouldn't be hard <coughs> excuse me have a bottle of water, but it's sitting on this box that's covered in dust, and inhaling the dust is what made me need the water, so it's really full circle. Uh, weirdly enough, I would elect Neil Blomkamp to direct it. I love it because that pisses my wife off so much, because for some reason she hates him. I don't know why. They're both South African, but... Um, I think he has the grittiness of sci-fi. He has that realization of of what sci-fi looks like when it's realized in a realistic way. And I think only he has that. He has 
there's a dirtiness to it. It's technology is there, and it's clearly there as a hard-fought, hard-won victory of humanity. But clearly, like the technology is vicious. It's a weapon, usually. The picture you get of mankind's arms race, sort of, with itself in in District Nine, is amazing to see. Like we're so obsessed with the weapons of these people that came here, and there's a whole ship and a culture and a people and. No, but like, can you fire this gun for us? I like the part where his fingernail fell off, and then later on in the movie, they said he was having sex with aliens, and then by the end of the movie, he was an alien. (laughs) Spoilers. Um, That movie is tragic. I love it so much. It is such a powerful... Like, it, it, obviously, it's a social commentary discussion starter and gets all political. It's a... I, I, I think it counts as an international foreign film just because, you know, just because they speak English doesn't mean it's like an American Hollywood movie. I'm pretty sure get some credit for that. Uh, it, brilliant sci-fi. Again, that was the Neil Blom... That was the, the dawn of the Blom camp uh, where you have that and then you have um, Elysium and then you have... Oh my god, Chappie, yeah. I can't believe I forgot that one. He just has... It's a mix between all of his movies are set and it's very drab, dirty, rubble-strewn backdrops and his his sort of, like, militarized, gritty take on sci-fi. But he would do it absolutely. I think you could get... I think... I think the best... I've thought about this sometimes. I think the best thing to do would be to have it take place on a planet and you're having this battle, this like titanic battle literally, there's titans there, there's legions of space marines, terminators and you're getting like all kinds of shots and to fans you'll maybe be able to quickly gain a picture of what's going on but it's designed for that to be kind of hard to do and then the flashbacks tell sort of a narrative of how we got there but they do it slowly in a disjointed way so that it doesn't come together until the end. And it turns out by the end of it, this battle that we've been seeing the different perspectives and lives of people and th- this battle is sort of a vehicle for the storytelling is the the battle of, I think, Istvan III, the drop site massacre. So you have, uh, in Warhammer, you had Horus, who's the first and favored son of the Emperor, especially if you ask him that. And again, he falls to chaos and I found out recently it's this is all because of Lorgar, fucking asshole. There's this one Primarch named Lorgar who was like, I'm so into the Emperor, like, I'm gonna fucking worship this guy, I'm so into it. And the Emperor's like, don't do that. I'm, I'm trying to strive for a galaxy where people aren't gonna be stupid and do stuff like that. And he's like, fine, well, then you didn't deserve my worship anyway, I'll find someone that does. And so he leaves and goes on, like, a galaxy quest, and the quest of Lorgar or something, the pilgrimage. Obviously, he winds up fucking getting seduced by chaos because that's what happens to anyone who's like, is there anything besides the emperor? Oh, just horrible chaos? Okay, those are my two options. Well, I've already, you know, questioned my faith, so chaos, sure. So he writes a book. Apparently, there are two books. The first one kind of is like mouth to pen, the truth. I don't know if that's any more or less revealing. And then the second one, his uh, chapter published and circulated around. Anyway, Lorgar becomes the one that puts it into Horus's head that Chaos might have more power and this and that, and then that starts its own machinations, and they take him to, like, Horus gets wounded once, and they take him to something called, like, the Snake Temple, because that doesn't sound fucking sinister at all. 
and then they, uh, you know, chaos stuff, I don't know. It's always like, you know, this is coming on the heels of the Alita thing, and like, I don't want to, I'm not a weirdo, I swear. Like, it's always like, besides the slash, you always do always have this sort of sexual undertone with chaos, because there's all these words like, he was seduced by it, and like, they implanted this in him, and it was like, you know, he was like, ensnared by the seductive, you know, it's all like, ooh. <laughs> Wordy. So, Horus, after falling to chaos, brings a handful of his friends. Some were people that followed him because they were his friends beforehand. Some were people that he sort of manipulated and and made promises with. And some like when one dude's name is Angron, and he's just angry. Like he's, he's the he, he falls to the angry blood god of war and death and skulls, and like he's got these like things called the butcher's nails in his head which make him angry all the time and he's just like you're not gonna have that guy like championing to build a planetary system of homes for people and like ensuring that the refugees get Dairy Queen and, and rations obviously I assume Dairy Queen's eternal and survives 40,000 years but some of them were just sort of battle hungry monsters and like turning them was easy but we're going to see this story from so many different points of view, and it's not going to be clear whose ambitions are what. And again, like for fans and hardcore, diehard people who have read the books, yes, you'll probably figure it out. I will have to still have some secrets there, but like, you'll see a... I don't know, like... a raven wing... I look at Raven Wing and Raven Guard mistaken, so if I fuck it up, it's, it's, I'm talking about the chapter, the Corvax one, Raven Guard, I think. So, you have, like, a Raven Guard battalion sitting there beside, like, I don't know, an Emperor's Children battalion or something, and, like, these two, two of the, maybe they have this common rank or weapon, like, two of the plasma gunners are just, like, kind of close together and, like, spotting each other up, like, like, nice gun, yeah, like, burns heretics kind of thing like whatever it is like they get that little moment of like just two dudes man clock in we clock out we're here same job same team like we get that because that I was talking to a dude on reddit about this that is my favorite part about Warhammer is that you have these huge larger than life monstrous super soldiers and their lives are war but like they're you know this can't always be war and when it's not war it's really interesting to to hear and to see what goes on <coughs> that's why I loved uh, Prospero Burns because <laughs> Prospero Burns but also because you get to see Space Wolves without the I don't know without the bolter chain sword and heavily cloaked fur draped armor then they're just in, in fur without the armor <laughs> but I want to see those two guys and you know, maybe it lingers on them for, for an extended scene. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm hoping maybe they have different weapons, but same, like, like he's got the Mark Eight and he's, like, the Mark X4. And, like, ah, you know, well, shorter stock can't... Like, oh, well, I found the, the compensator and the, the, the auto-aiming numiter. You know what I mean? They're going to, like, josh back and forth. And then it becomes very, like, Order 66, where, like, one of them battalion starts to roll out I was like but I thought we were all stationed to guard here and then like it leads to 
the one guy's battalion turning around and slaughtering them, but the, the two that have made contact, like, they both know this is wrong, and then you get a lot of these, like, is he going to stand with the squad and do what he knows is wrong, or is he going to help this guy escape, and, and more importantly, fight. I mean, this is not going to be a traumatic, like, like Holocaust resistance type movie that I do enjoy. It's, it's going to be like a, like, space marines are space marines, like, they can fight through anything in the luff, in the luff, in the fluff especially. Uh, we will get to see some Primark the Primark action. Unfortunately, my favorite and the my Wolf King, Lehman Russ, will not be there, as he was not there. But, but, there will be one of the coolest scenes based on a story that you're familiar with, wherein uh, the Dark Angels pulled the Space Wolves out from the brink of oblivion against the Thousand... Sorry, against the uh, Alpha Legion after they had come from destroying the Thousand Suns. So I think that'll be in the same way that you have in Rogue One that amazing, seamless blend of, of uh, a space battle happening while this high-stakes land battle is happening. You're going to have whatever success... The land battle will be separate from this, We'll, we'll kind of have to find a way to connect them so the audience doesn't lose interest, but you're going to have a sp- the flashbacks and, and pretty much just a montage to show the absolute like devastation of the Thousand Suns and then sporadic views of it as they're in, in pursuit of them. But it turns sharply, and we're going to see a lot of like really horrible, gross chaos and, and seeing stuff uh, as the Alpha Legion kind of close it on them. I say it's the stuff because I want to believe that there's some of the remaining Thousand Suns on the Alpha Legion ships, and then we're going to get to see them fight both. Um, I'm thinking there's, like, a little Easter egg where there is a captain or some sort of nondescript officer of authority who makes the boarding proclamation or makes some threats from the Alpha Legion to the Space Wolves, and it will turn out later that was, like, Alpharius or Omegron or something, one of the... Because they're notorious for just sort of being discreet and nondescript and, like, taking... Like, putting on a construction hat for the day and going as a worker, kind of, you know what I mean? So, we're just going to have a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of cool stuff like that, but it's going to play out in a way that you're not sitting there as someone who knows the franchise, because that's our biggest audience, and, you know, these kind of movies need to not forget that. So I don't want anyone to be disappointed. Uh, we're going to see hardcore salamander action. My horse in this race is the salamanders. I love them so much. They're like... I call them the Jeff Marines, because to me they remind me of my buddy Jeff, and that they're like amidst the, the chaos of literal chaos and the like animosity of a group of like space marine primarchs. The dude was always like resolute, chill on the side of good and his chapter are the only ones that are like benevolently involved in the planet and the community <laughs> picture like whenever I read lore about them and like read stories like that I always just imagine there's the one space marine salamander that's like wearing the crossing guard outfit and like helping kids in a school zone across the street like community involvement but no they help build and fight and defend their worlds and they still keep in contact with their families Space Wolves famously kind of do that as well. They interact with the planet's inhabitants and that they defend them from interplanetary stuff, but uh, they more just, like, are worshipped by them as, like, the ultimate warriors. 
they view them as gods because they live in, in the Fang, which is like this impenetrable mountain, and they think that's like pretty much heaven. And obviously, it's like if you've seen the movie The Gods Must Be Crazy, you link. If you're technologically devoid, <laughs> yeah, looks like magic. Um, yeah, I think you set a movie at the height of the Horus Heresy, you have everywhere to go. You can do a prequel if you wanted that still fleshes out that sort of like, I mean, you can go really early and like the Emperor unifying like the fraggly version of Earth with all the tribes and stuff, the 40k version of Sigmar. Or, you know, you can do the Birth of the Thunder Warriors. You can do the Horus Heresy, which in my opinion is, is the greatest time for battles because you have the heroes that everyone wants to hear about and then the heroes that make it famous like the you know it's the primarchs the embodiments of the chapters you play it's a different game it's a uh, there's there's no crueler time but then you can also put it in the year 40k because technically I think it's 30,000 it's the Horus Heresy so that even leaves room for you to put it in the modern day so I don't know food for thought You're going to get, in my opinion, the grossest and worst part of Chaos. Uh, you're going to get Nurgle in abundance, because they're going to virus bomb the planet, right? That's That was the, the Istvan drops I massacre, was all the chapters that were going to turn to Chaos um, sort of took a poll, or like a secret um, census, to find out who, like, in theory, <laughs> would you be down for rebellion and joining Chaos? Like, A, for... Yes, but you know. Uh, more or less, that's what happened, and they sort of sussed out who was loyal and who was not, and they sent the ones who would be uncooperative in a, in a revolt and disloyal to the Chaos Gods to the planet under the guise of, like, this was a military operation. And so when I think however many of the chapters did that and deposited their people there, they hit it with, like, a virus bomb. Kind of confuses me because Space Marines are in, like self-sustaining hermetically sealed environment suits of, like, concrete, ceramite, steel, and magic and shit. It's not magic, I mean, like, science we can't fathom. You got two hearts, damn it. So, I don't, I don't know what kind of virus it was, but Nurgle is the god of death, decay, rot, and all grossness, so you know it's gonna be a Nurgle virus, and you know it's gonna be tons of zombies, and, like, huge mutated chaos beasts. Chaos has, like, the scariest shit. Like, just imagine, like... I don't know, just take several animals and a person and literally, like, fuse them all into one giant, gross, seething mass and, like, add some gaping mouths and spilling out organs and maggots everywhere, flies. Maybe make it chuckle. Maybe make its stomach explode and a bunch of small, gross versions of it come out. That's all shit that's real in, in chaos. That, that's a chaos spawn in Nurgle right there. So you're going to get that stuff. You're going to get your bread and butter zombies. You're going to get... You're going to get wicked, futuristic, literal space marines, but, you know, ultramarines, a couple of them will be there. We're going to have a couple of away guys, because you need to get them wrapped. We're going to have, like, a, a Death Watch team, like a specialist team made up of different chapters who was on an away mission nearby or something, and they're going to be, like, the... There's these two brothers from Fenris, and, like... Um, they're not actually brothers, they're battle brothers, like Gotrek and Felix style. Olgdar, uh, Winter Howl, and Chalk Bloodaxe. They're like two space wolves who obviously are of considerable skill to invite, invited into the Death Watch, and one of them 
is a wolf scout, and he's like, he's got this crazy chameleon cloak thing, and that's, I think, what they call it, 40K, it's like a weird version of it. And basically, he's just this deep woods, you know, live for months, years on end in a planet just to make, like, the shot, and he's got this crazy gun that can shoot halfway across the planet. Uh, he's got that fox caster thing to call in airstrikes. And then the other one is just, like, this beast, like this... He's, you know, he's a wolfin, so he can turn into a werewolf. He's got two power axes that, like, when he turns, like, I don't know, they, they, they link onto his wrists and they extend on chains, so they're like, now he can spin around and be a wolf but still have axes. 40K needs a movie, man. It's like, 40K is like Star Wars in the scope of how much is out there and how many planets and sectors and galactic quadrants there are but arguably it has a much deeper and richer history because 40k has been based on books and written medium and the need for lore to exist for a game reason instead of just the fanciful writings and wishes of a bunch of nerds which I love and I've been a fan fiction writer for Star Wars and I've read them and one of my first books I remember reading was this really shitty young adult Star Wars series with Qui-Gon but Warhammer is amazing. It's it's deep. I don't just mean for the things you can draw from it, but it just it's a deep well to go to. You do the drop site massacre movie. You set up the world, whether you want to take it to a 40k, 30k, whether you want to have your spin-off like Sisters of Battle Inquisition lady movie, whether you want to have you know, it, it doesn't matter. It is just so huge. You just need to do one good one one time. And then we can turn it into a universe. Um, I'd be careful with celebrities you're pulling into it. You're going to have to pull a few to get some names and take it seriously. But it's going to have to be all serious kind of intense dramatic acting because if you do it too over the top and they're too like G.I. Joe it'll be stupid Brad Pitt 100% needs to be in there somewhere Brad Pitt in military roles is just like peanut butter and jelly um, and for the sake of it in my movie just to prove it to you guys I will have a imperially sanctioned uh, modified tech priest assassin named Lolita who is exactly the same as Alita and has rocket wheel feet and a um, mono blade power sword and this is of a questionable age and she, it could be Warhammer you know what I'm beating this horse to death I couldn't stop thinking about it in the movie I'm just telling you guys I wanted to make an episode today, I sat down and made a nice, well I quote, you know, a, a nice, do what I can, ASMR paste video, but no, I c cannot shake the feeling that, obviously it doesn't take place in the Warhammer world, but it's so similar that y you could feasibly make one, and I don't know why it hasn't been, I feel renewed in, in my quest to try and see a Warhammer movie in my life, but, to be honest, fantasy is a whole other whole other story, and even easier, I mean, the success of Lord of the Rings should have solidified that you could make Warhammer work, but hell, there's, there's backwards compatibility there, because there's the Lord of the Rings tabletop game made by the company, it's similar to Warhammer, and it's, anyway, 
Warhammer Fantasy is easy as balls, man. And Game of Thrones is killing it. Fantasy stuff, movies that come out, most of the time killing it. I'm kind of not looking at you, modern Robin Hood that I just saw the first ten minutes of. But yeah, Fantasy 40K. These can be movies, people. I'm telling you, what do you want me should say? You think I have the connections? No. You think I'm, what, some Hollywood man? I sit here on the phone, I call Saul, and... Uh, Peter Goodman, that was his name. No, I don't know. I have no uh, Hollywood clout, as it were, or much clout in most industries. But if someone has the ability, I would crowdfund it. That's probably the most I can say. I was browsing, like, uh, sort of crowdfund, GoFundMe pages and stuff recently, and there was, uh, there's a lot of movies on there and shows. And I think it's pretty cool. Um, the trust is not there. If you're, like, a aspiring model maker for a game, and you have, like, lots of models, and your Instagram's there, and all your business stuff is there, and it's a reputable business, and you're on the up and up, and I get, like, rewards, I will fund you. If it's like, I got this idea, be like, this sweet movie, and I'm like, I need 50 grand, yeah, <laughs> like, I'm not gonna give you my money. Um, yeah. <laughs> there was this Australian project that I saw, I only know it was Australian, because there was very little written in the, in the bio, I think it was just GoFundMe, and it was, like, a video submission as the description, and when you open it, it's like a, a selfie video. And my, my Australian accent's atrocious, but it's like, well, oh, so you try fun... No, I think I went, like, British right off the bat. You guys are seeing it happen right now. And, like, you try and fund this project, yeah? Want to build a school. And then the school... Want to teach people how to fight. And so, like, it's this guy, and he's, 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 like, trying to make it sound professional. And... Like, as he's recording, you can tell maybe he's wearing some sort of martial arts, like, karate top or something. <laughs> it's like, you ready, Claire? <laughs> this girl's like, I'm ready, mate. <laughs> she just, like, kicks him in the side of the head. <laughs> really hard. Like, it's not an act or anything. She kicks him in the side of the head, he drops his phone, and, like, the video ends. <laughs> That's what they chose to submit. Oh, uh, <laughs> I fucking loved it. I'm gonna check, I hope it's still up there, but it's like, <laughs> they seem to be asking for money to start some sort of karate school, and I can't tell if it's because they're gonna teach people how to do that, or because that keeps happening to him, I don't know, thought it was worthwhile. I find as I'm getting older, I'm losing some of my accents, uh, both for misuse, or sorry, misuse, for lack of use, and then also, uh, similarities tend to blend them together. I find, like, Australian will become British, and um, some stuff becomes British like that. Uh, a lot of Transylvanian stuff and similar becomes pirates. I don't know why. Um, like, like, yar. You have to throw in the R's, but it's also about the inflections and the tone. I always base it on the sea captain from The Simpsons. But you can choose to go Barbosa, if you so choose. You can choose if you so choose. Um, I also think, in general, because when I was a kid, I mean, my family, we all grew up doing accents, a lot of, like, multi-ethnic and multi-racial friends and exposure and traveling. We definitely do not accent in public or 
comedically to the same scope because it's just not as acceptable anymore. I remember like in commercials and stand-up routines and movies, ten or more ten or more years ago, like you know, doing accents and Asian accents and Indian accents and Jamaican accents is funny, and then now it's like really not funny. <laughs> now it's really like, what do you like the Rasta man? People be looking at me like, hey, the bun McLeod know what it's doing. Um, you know, it, it, it will offend people. And it's like, back then I had a Jamaican roommate and he would, like, we'd, we'd you know, smoke weed together and he'd be like, oh, my name is Daniel and I attend a university here and I would fucking die. It's super funny. And, like, you would do, like, the, you know, the white guy voice and be like, you could, you know, <laughs> let me hear what your Jamaican is. And, like, you'd point out some words and stuff. But I think it's funny. But, you know, you do it and then people get all like, oh, but you're not supposed to do that. So... I think there's a really good, uh, I call it the, it's the Karen culture now, where it's this, this idea that you have this figure, this Karen, who's like this badly, you know, overly involved customer or citizen who demands to A, speak to the manager, B, wants some sort of special treatment, or C, is just there to fight with you or be offended. It's hilarious. It's like... You can post all these, like, all these memes and these Twitter screenshots that I see are fake as fuck, obviously. Like, you know, oh, standing in line today and Karen says, you know, you shouldn't have so much dairy. And it's like, well, shouldn't have so many peach bellinis, Karen. And it's like, he didn't say that. It didn't happen. Her name wasn't Karen. But I just think it's funny. We've kind of condensed all the, like, complainy, whiny, entitled, Caucasian suburban day drunk moms into like five letter word yeah I was not counting the letters on my hand it just almost paused for dramatic timing although it sounded like I couldn't couldn't do that in my head but I could don't you worry I certainly could um yeah probably where I'll leave it I don't think you can expect a third episode in one day. I really surpassed myself this way. Uh, if you have not already, play some Fortnite. I was uh, unfortunately too busy all week to jump into it, but I have the battle pass. So I want to see how much loot and swag and items I can ring out this uh, season. And hit me up. If you guys are playing on PlayStation or the PSN or just Epic Games, whatever it is. I don't know, I don't really know. I don't know how PC and cell phone players join with me, but they seem to. But yeah, online, uh, you guys can find me on PSN at Rabbi Payne. It's like R-A-B-B-I dash. And that's dash like the horizontal line. I said people assume I mean like the slash. Anyway, so R-A-B-B-I dash P-A-I-N PlayStation. Uh, yes, that is Rabbi Payne, and I will explain it, because, yeah, it probably is one of those that needs it. Um, it's not as emo as it sounds, or I guess it is as Jewish as it sounds. When I was in high school, a friend of mine and I were writing a, a comic, or a webcomic, we were intending to make, and it was going to be about Rabbi Payne and Reverend Suffering, who were like, it's very similar to Supernatural, I don't think we were watching it at the time, um, but more comedic, I mean, I know, like, the Winchester boys lay into the jokes more later on, but this was going to be like a straight-up comedy, but still a rabbi and a preacher traveling um, North America and South America. 
pretty much. We didn't have, like, the American Midwest exclusively, but, uh, yeah, we had Xboxes, and for a while we went around as Rabbi Pain and Reverend Suffering, but then I bought a PS3 and made it, and he did not make the transition, because Halo keeps its fans for life, is all I'll say, but, yeah, feel free to add me up, guys. I play a lot of stuff, and, yeah, I'm gonna leave it there again for today, so... See you guys next time, and have a good one. Enjoy the weekend.